Hi everyone, I'm Tara. Hi, I'm Michelle. Welcome back to Books and Beyond with Bound, where we talk to some of the finest writers in India to find out what makes them tick. So on this episode, Michelle and I spoke to Rohini Rajgopal. She is the author of a memoir called "What Is a Lemon Squeezer Doing Inside My Vagina," and I'm not gonna lie, guys, this is a title that literally made me stop scrolling. So you know, I was really drawn to this memoir because it talks about her journey with infertility in a very raw and honest way, um, and infertility is still such a taboo topic. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, you know, I was also drawn to this book because. Somewhere in me, I had a fear about this because you know, thirty unmarried, all of that. Tara, I don't think many know this, but I actually love medical memoirs. I mean, I grew up watching surgeries on TV instead of beauty shows. It not only tells the story of um, you know one woman's struggle with infertility from an emotional point of view, but Rohini actually details out you know all the kinds of medical procedures. Um, the trials the failures all of those things and i was so glad that we spoke to her because she goes over these details so candidly and she provides a space for women to talk about these things by the way tara i loved that her brother was her beta reader my brother would never <laughs> i don't know if our listeners know this but it's such a coincidence both our brothers are 8 to 9 years younger than us and aren't readers On another note it's been a great week because I've had some great work news books and beyond is now number 4 on the charts I I would never have imagined this when I started um and you know so we've actually started helping other people make their podcasts and when in lots of interesting conversations so if you're interested in making your own podcast or have a podcast that you want to take to the next level do reach out to us at connect@boundindia.com or dm us at bound india and let's get a conversation started for now let's listen to rohini and know more about this unique memoir hi rohini welcome to our podcast very glad that you're here thank you so much thank you so much for having me in books and beyond so firstly let's talk about the title of your book what is a lemon squeezer doing inside my vagina i mean <laughs> that is one of the most eye popping titles i have ever come across like you know you've written this explosive memoir about your battle with infertility and i'm sure you would have considered many titles before arriving at this one so how did you pick this title <laughs> yes yes so uh, this title was one of the last things to come to me and um, as you know this is a line from the book and it is also the title of a chapter in the book so i had been struggling to title that particular chapter and i had gone through various uh, you know different versions and nothing really clicked and nothing was really capturing the crux uh, of that particular chapter so i remember this is really in one of the advanced uh, stages i just sat down and i thought to myself what does this chapter really uh, try to communicate what is really at the core of this chapter and that's when this line came to my head what's the lemon squeezer doing in my vagina and the minute that line hit my head i thought okay i think we have the title of the book uh, as well because it sort of communicates the horror the outrage uh, you know the violation that you feel um and it also does it in a sort of tongue in cheek uh, manner so uh, yeah that's why uh, i decided to go ahead with it i really didn't have too many titles uh, before this there was one which was just a working title for the longest time this document was saved in my computer as my book and it had uh, nothing else but when this title came to me i felt that you know it is uh, it is something that is eye catching it is uh, provocative but at the same time it is also something very authentic uh to the manuscript and to that particular moment uh, in the manuscripts yeah the the chapter where you describe you know that instrument which is very much like a lemon squeezer is so <laughs> is so it just it, out there because you really feel it with you you know and and that's sort of what michelle and i when we were reading the memoir you know we really felt that we were with you in those clinics and you know we were with you through the journey so you've done that really really well and and it doesn't get too heavy you know it, it, though it does speak about ivf which is uh, which is a topic you know around which there's a lot of stigma it does have that tongue in cheek manner so rohini you know you went through so many rounds of ivf 
um, you know, and you've shared almost every grueling detail about it in your memoir. Nobody has talked about this. Nobody has talked about infertility. Nobody has talked about the stigma around infertility. Um, so how did you decide to write this and why now? Right, right. Um, you're absolutely right. There is very little uh, in public discourse about infertility. And at the point at which I started writing this uh, manuscript, there weren't even uh, too many in- memoirs on infertility in the international, uh, you know, international space. Uh, even now, I don't think in the Indian context, we have uh, really any patient narratives on uh, infertility. Uh, so I think the main motivation came uh, to talk about it came from this feeling of being completely invisibilized by the whole experience. And I'm not even talking about society or, you know, uh, people at large. I'm talking about immediate family. I'm talking about close friends. Even they had absolutely no idea about um, what we had gone through, the the kind of toll that it took on our lives, on our marriage, on our uh, on our psyche. So I really felt a very compelling need uh, to sort of cast some light on this whole uh, experience. And it, I think that was my primary uh, motivation to start uh, writing about it. And when I did my research on the internet, I realized there wasn't too much uh, in the Indian context. There were blogs and, uh, you know, there were a lot of these IVF support groups where women had shared their experiences. But um, there was really no end-to-end account, you know, a very, uh, you know, a 360-degree view of what it is to experience uh, infertility at so many different levels, at the medical level, at the emotional level. Uh, at the psychological uh, level. But what happened was um, sometime in the pregnancy, the third pregnancy, which would eventually lead to the birth of my son, I experienced a bout of bleeding. And I remember when I uh, experienced that bout of bleeding, I promised myself that if this one comes through, then I'm going to tell my story. But you know, uh, it was one of those promises that were made in a moment of absolute desperation, you know, like when you're ready to stake anything that you have, just so that this one uh, goes through. And it was also a promise I made to myself thinking, okay, it's not really going to happen. So I felt sort of confident saying, okay, I will write this book, I will tell the story because, you know, it was one of those promises you make to yourself saying, I'm going to give up sugar, but you're almost certain that, you know, it's not going to happen. So you won't have to give up uh, anything. But it did go through. And then I I had to fulfill the promise that I had um, made to myself. But uh, after my son was born, the first two years just sort of went by in a blur uh, because of all the demands of, you know, parenting. There was no time, no energy, uh, no mind space that could be devoted uh, to writing. But it was there at the back of my mind that I must uh, act on this. So I have this, um, I had saved all my, my entire hospital folder, which had all the test results and the images of the embryos and all the scan results. I had saved everything thinking that, you know, at some point when I start writing, I will need this. A couple of times uh, during those first two years, I almost, uh, you know, uh, was uh, came to the verge of throwing it all away. But then I still held on thinking at some point I will be able to uh, get to this. And when my son started going to school, when he started preschool, that is when I had the opportunity to actually sit down and uh, start writing. But I'm not very good at multitasking. So at that point, I had to give up my job because I felt that uh, I don't have any experience as a writer. I've never published anything before. So this demanded my complete uh, attention, my complete devotion. So I quit my job and then, you know, I started working on this uh, man. No, that's that's very interesting because that's one of the things that, you know, me and Michelle were discussing because everything in your book is so specific. So we were wondering, you know, when exactly did you decide? Did you do? Did you like always know you were going to write this book when you were going through the process? Because, you know, just the way you describe the atmosphere of the clinic or even those details about the size of the eggs or that whole process. What I did was um, when I was pregnant and I think just a month before going into labor, I opened a Word document on my computer and I wrote down all the big dates and all the, you know, the important, um, you know, sort of plot points uh, as far as this whole uh, journey is uh, concerned, just so that I wouldn't forget it. And I retained my all my uh, hospital records. But, you know, the really interesting uh, thing, uh, Tara, was that when I started writing, I was able to access memories and access, you know, the whole, the feelings and the emotions and, you know, even the physical, the sensory uh, details that I thought I had forgotten. So, and it is not just from uh, the infertility experience, because my book also talks about, you know, my experiences from childhood, 
you know, um, uh, from the time I uh, met my husband. But all those things that I had, uh, you know, sort of forgotten about and which lay very uh, hidden in, 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 uh, in my subconscious uh, sense, sort of rose to the surface when I uh, started writing. So writing really helped me retrieve, uh, you know, those uh, memories. And that was a, it was a pleasant surprise for me as well. One thing that, you know, I really loved about your book is, uh, Rohini, so we have spoken to other female writers, you know, uh, Tahira Kashyap, Radhika Vaz, uh, Deza Ray, who have written brilliant memoirs, you know, about the female body. And it makes you talk about issues that, you know, women don't really talk about, that you're not really comfortable discussing. And uh, when we read your book, you know, Tara and I, you know, we really understood the fact that, you know, we are 30 and, you know, we, we keep hearing, oh, your biological clock is ticking and, you know, you don't have much time left. And honestly, until I read your book, it didn't really strike me. I didn't really understand what it meant. So I really, I, I mean, I'm really glad that your book adds to the canon of, you know, the literature that has been coming out nowadays, which is making a difference, which is, I would say, uh, breaking the taboo that surrounds such topics. I mean, I really admire the work of some of these writers that you just uh, mentioned. So I feel very honored to be even uh, take uh, for my name to be even mentioned in the same uh, league. Uh, but yeah, it really is time that women start opening up about these experiences, which have all been, you know, brushed under the carpet and start articulating, you know, um, their emotions and their uh, life uh, experiences. And that's the only way to break the taboo. Only when we sort of uh, start opening up and start sharing uh, these uh, experiences and start normalizing conversation around these uh, topics, I think that's the only way to break the taboo. And the other thing, uh, Michelle, what you mentioned, you know, about, you know, turning 30 and sort of, uh, you know, realizing that, you know, there is something called uh, as a biological clock. You know, I really uh, wish women are able to make more informed choices about their, uh, you know, reproductive lives and about their bodies. And I think the only way to make these uh, informed choices is to have access to information and not just, uh, you know, medical information, but also stories of women who have been through these uh, experiences. So that we can decide what to do with our bodies at what time. And, you know, we can sort of imagine what kind of families we want to have and, and when and how to go about uh, doing this. Yeah, no, definitely it is. And honestly speaking, I was absolutely clueless, you know, uh, about things like what Michelle said, the biological clock, you know, what it is to go through IVF, all of these things. I've heard from some friends of mine who are a bit older, but it's very hush-hush. So this mm. really, really gave me an inside view. Uh, what would you have to say to readers like us, you know, who are young women, uh, maybe, you know, a little scared. Honestly, when I read the book, I have to be honest, I was a little scared, you know. Um, I was thinking, okay, maybe, you know, in when I'm ready to have a family, will it be too late or what would the process be like? So what what would your message be to your younger women readers? I wouldn't want uh, the book to alarm anybody. But uh, like I said earlier, I think it's really about making an informed choice and having full access to the information that will allow you to make uh, those informed choices. And I think one thing that uh, reproductive medicine does, it also uh, sort of enables that. It is empowering uh, in many ways because now you have the option of uh, freezing your embryos, freezing your uh, oocytes, which sort of allows you to maybe if in your 20s or in, in, your, in your early 30s, you don't want to uh, be a mother or you don't want to start a family, then you can delay that and you have a certain amount of confidence because uh, there is a technology that, um, you know, that allows uh, that. But really, I think um, what, because when I uh, started out on this treatment, I thought there's always IUI and, you know, I will just do IUI and I will get uh, pregnant, you know, in maybe a couple of cycles. And then when IUI didn't work, I thought, okay, but there's always IVF. I will go through IVF and then I will get pregnant in a couple of uh, cycles at most. But I never imagined that I would have to pay, you know, this price in terms of emotionally, physically, even financially. No, definitely. You know, before this, as I said, there was nothing around this fact. And I think one of my aunts had told me like around five years ago, freeze your eggs. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you saying? But, you know, once I read your book, I sort of understood that it could be a possibility and it's it's not a bad idea for women who out there, you know, who may want to make these choices. What about you, Michelle? Yeah, I think it's an eye opener. I mean, for me, I, uh, you know, highlighted so many paragraphs. I googled so many things. It was such an informative book for me. 
and what i liked about it is it's not like those textbook uh you know kind of books which tells you okay this is how you you know you must follow this is what you must do but what i liked is it was infused with your own personal experiences which is what made it very real to me and i could really you know as sara said place myself there in the clinic while you were going through these experiences and i think um you know it's it's very very rare writing that's able to do that so you know i mean and apart from that rohini we know that um you know it's a very emotional journey that you've been through you know apart from uh you know of course as you said all the financial struggles and all of that so you know what was your support system like while you were writing the book we do know that your brother uh, gopal read your work and uh, you know you did mention him as your parents ideal child the one who ticked <laughs> all the boxes <laughs> so can you share with us anything about your relationship with him that you know helped you write this book sure sure so um even though i'm very close to my brother and he is uh, a best friend this is a topic that we never broached and i think that is quite common in uh, families such as ours Uh, we don't uh, talk about these things and definitely these are not the kind of conversations that sisters and brothers uh, typically have uh, so when i uh, started writing the book i needed somebody to act as a sounding board to have some kind of beta reader my husband didn't want to have anything to do with this book so uh, there was no support uh, coming from uh, that end so what i uh, and also my brother didn't know anything about this journey so i thought that he would be great uh, as a beta reader and uh, what i did was i would write a chapter so from monday to saturday i would write a chapter and then on sunday i would call him he's based in uh, chennai and i would read out the whole chapter over the phone uh, to him and then he would tell me you know uh, whether it worked whether he liked it whether there was something that he wanted me to change uh, that really helped me so one even while uh, i was reading out i have this habit of reading out loud everything that i have written and even in the act of reading it out aloud to him i mean i would know you know what is working and what is not and what is too lengthy or you know a, a joke that is just not coming through so it helped me also to uh, understand my work better and at the same time i got that feedback uh, from him and it was an eye opener for him as well because um, i remember uh, at one point um, my brother and i we had this conversation his wife had to undergo some kind of procedure and they were a little concerned about uh, general anesthesia and he were, he brought that up with me and he said you know she has to go through general anesthesia we are very worried about it i said oh don't worry about it i have gone through anesthesia several times it's it's really nice i really enjoyed my uh, experience of general <laughs> anesthesia <laughs> and that sounds that sounds really funny yeah. yeah yeah and he was shocked and he said what do you mean you have gone through general anesthesia and then i realized oh my god he had no clue he had absolutely no clue about you know this whole uh, journey so you know when i started you know uh, writing the book and reading it out aloud to him it was it was an eye opener uh, for him as well and the thing is um, and you know this is something that i've realized um, your beta reader doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's a great editor or a great writer you know it really is you need somebody who can tell you honestly whether something is working or not and it needs to be somebody with whom you have that kind of relationship and that kind of confidence who will not be worried about offending you or about antagonizing you but who will really tell it to you straight you know as it is uh, at the same time you know sort of break it to you uh, gently so he really served that purpose uh, you know very well so he was the one who sort of um, put the structure in place can i talk a little bit about uh, you know how i came upon the uh, structure of the book definitely we want to know <laughs> that's one of our questions so i was very influenced by this um, book that i read called the art of waiting by bell box which is probably the only book on infertility that i have read and that book has a structure which is part memoir and part journalistic essays so she has interwoven her own uh, experience of uh, infertility with uh, essays on you know different aspects like surrogacy adoption you know the ethical aspects and so on so i was very impressed with that structure and i felt that i had to replicate it and um, i created a um, a structure similar to that so i thought that the personal narrative would be a small uh, part of this book so maybe i would talk about some highlights from my own journey so i felt very confident about uh, writing the journalistic essays because uh, some uh, some part of my training and some part of the work that i had already done prepared me for that and i felt that that was something that i could do and i thought i would go out and interview people i would gather information i would do my research and i would uh, you know create that 
So as far as the personal narrative was, was concerned, it was something that I wanted to get out of my way as soon as possible. Because it was the one I was least co uh, confident about and least comfortable doing. I really didn't want to write my, uh, you know, personal story. But when I began uh, writing this book and I, when I began reading it out to him, uh, you know, it became, um, there was so much to say. And it, it was not possible to just talk about three or four, you know, highlight uh, events and just move on to the, uh, to the second half of the book. So my brother was the one who convinced me to drop that idea and to make this a full length memoir. And to focus really on, you know, on my life and on providing the backstory, which talks about why I came to encounter infertility and why I chose to deal with infertility the way I uh, did. So he was the one who sort of nudged me in that direction. So your brother was, I think, one of the best beta readers out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. I was going to say that. Yeah, I mean, because it's a great <laughs> yeah. structure. Um, you know, it's very, very interesting. And you said it took you two years to, you know, actually get down and write the book. And I'm sure, you know, once you decided that you would be going way more personal, you know, these events are not easy to recall. Um, and you even were doing it full time at one point. And this is not an easy thing to write about, obviously. So what was it like for you, you know, to go back and relive some of this in your writing? Um, Tara, I mean... I know it is a difficult, um, uh, it was a difficult experience. But you know, Tara, the writing of it was actually an act of uh, emancipation. It was liberating, it was empowering, it was like I had found the voice and the agency that I had sort of written away while I was experiencing uh, infertility. So I felt completely powerless and completely helpless while I was uh, in the middle of my infertility journey. And writing was really taking back that power that I had uh, given up. So, um, the, of course, there were days um, which were difficult, especially um, the chapter that we spoke about, you know, about the whole experience with the lemon squeezer. I still remember when I finished writing uh, that particular chapter, I was shaking because I felt the same violation, the same, uh, you know, hostility that I had experienced, um, you know, when the speculum went inside me the first time. And I had to get up and I had to go and take a shower just to calm myself uh, down because, you know, I, it was a physical uh, sensation. But still, um, I would say that the writing of it was something that I, uh, that I really enjoyed. And the writing really made me feel uh, powerful and made me feel in control of this whole narrative. And like I say um, in the introduction, you know, because this is not something that we really talk about openly and not definitely in the terms in which I wanted it to be spoken about, I felt my narrative and my story had been hijacked by so many other people because, you know, it was about somebody else's prayers. It was about somebody else's offerings. It was about somebody else's caution that I had not paid heed to. These were the terms in which, uh, you know, this particular experience was being spoken about. And there was no way for me uh, to lay claim to my own uh, story. So the writing was that. Uh, so, I mean, the writing was something that I, I really enjoyed. I'm so glad that, uh, you know, you said that you could own your story because it's often it often happens that, you know, we live in the society. We live, you know, around such people who decide for us, who uh, try to, you know, come to conclusions for us. And I think the most liberating thing about writing, even for me, even though I write fiction, you know, it's not really nonfiction. I find it really liberating because I feel... The way you can tell a story, only you can, you know, no other person can do that for you. And I think we could see that um, in your book. I mean, not just in, you know, the kind of scenes you have written or the dialogues, but the characters. I mean, a lot of people who read memoirs and nonfiction don't really see um, the characters as, you know, people who stand out. But Tara and I love the characters in your book. And one constant character throughout your book is Ranjit, your husband. Uh, you've been brutally honest about the contrast between both of your personalities. You know, while you would obsess over minute details of the treatment procedures, he would believe in the capability of the doctor and he would just take a backseat. So, you know, we were curious, has he read your work and what does he really think of this whole depiction? <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Um... Both of us were on the same page when we started writing, when I started writing, because um, he also felt that this is a story worth telling and this is something that we should definitely share. So he was, uh, de he's definitely been there for me, um, but he didn't want to read it for the longest time. 
because i think um, for him to go back and to relive these experiences is too painful and it's just the way he deals with emotions and the way he has uh, processed this experience is very different from the way i have processed it and in many ways i have sort of i feel found my healing through the writing and through the uh, publication of the book and that is something that he has not been able to access um because in our society we really don't encourage men to uh, talk about their vulnerabilities to talk about their emotions and it's also the kind his personality so a lot of it is bottled up inside so it's a very difficult book for him to read and for him to relive but you know um before i sent the book to my editor at penguin i said now you can't stall this anymore you have to read it and you have to tell me that you're okay with everything that i have put uh, in this book because it is really um, you know he's as much a part of this book as i am and he's really a co traveler and this is as much his story as it is uh, mine so i really didn't feel comfortable sending out this book into the world without him having read it and without having his uh, you know um, sort of uh, sign off so he did read it he read it just before i uh, sent it to my editor and there was not even a word or a sentence or a scene or anything that he felt you know that we should change or anything that he was not in uh, agreement with so he has been uh, you know super uh, supportive as far as the book and the whole uh, publication is concerned um and you know there are places where i have been critical of uh, people who are very close to us and with whom i i continue to have uh, relationships and who are very much a part of our lives but you know there was no censoring from anybody so what i did was when i finished the draft i sent it out to everybody who figures very prominently in this book be it my parents or my in-laws my brother and sister-in-law and you know nobody came back to me saying that you know we are not comfortable with this detail or you know with this level of honesty or you know uh, we are not in agreement with what you have put out there everybody has been really supportive and has really encouraged me to tell this uh, story i'm very grateful about that and speaking of your publishing journey i'm always very curious you know uh, about writers publishing journeys so your book is published by penguin and you went through a literary agent jaya priya vasudevan so can you tell our listeners a little bit about that whole process so i think i really lucked out as far as publishing is uh, concerned and um, somebody told me that you have beaten greater odds with publishing than you have with infertility because it is really a difficult uh, you know it's a really difficult thing to do to, to be able to find a mainstream publisher who can back your uh, manuscript so i was able to reach uh, jayapriya vasudevan through a common friend and uh, she read a couple of chapters and she saw some potential in the manuscript and uh, she signed me on so um that was really the turning point as far as the destiny of this uh, book is concerned because uh, jaypriya is a very uh, you know senior and very well respected uh, agent in the country and when she came on board that gave me some confidence uh, as far as this book is concerned uh so she was able to you know pitch it uh, to uh, to all the publishers but what happened was um it was march sometime in march uh, last year 2020 when uh, jaypriya sent me a message saying that you know this is i have sent out uh, you know the the manuscript to all the publishers you know fingers crossed and uh, so on and almost immediately i think i mean a week later the country went into lockdown so i mean not just the country the whole world went into uh, you know lockdown and i was so disappointed because i thought oh my god this you know nobody is going to read this manuscript because there is so much that is happening you know so many other things which are more urgent and more important and you know this is just going to die but uh, i think it sort of worked in our favor because at that point in time publishers and editors had more time to read uh, manuscripts because they were all working from home and about 2 months after this uh, you know uh, jaypriya sent out the manuscript uh, i got a message from her saying that you know penguin is interested and would like to uh, take this up uh, so that that was uh, i think uh, i will always cherish that day and that moment when i got that message from jaypriya and i came to know that you know a mainstream publisher a very big name uh, is is ready to back this uh, book the book totally deserves it and uh, you know a lot of writers ask us you know what is it like to be published out there how do we approach agents i think you know if you write a good work and if you put in the effort you know it will find that space yeah and rohini you have mentioned that your book does not only cover your you know ivf journey but you have covered different stages of your life and one of my absolute favorite chapter is the calling where you actually talk about the career that you want to choose for yourself and how do you go about you know figuring that out 
Um, so what was it like writing about that chapter and, you know, what what was the journey like? Uh, so basically, the book has two tracks that are running. One is, of course, the infertility a journey and the other one is uh, episodes from other aspects of my life, uh, you know, as a daughter, as a wife, as a working uh, woman. And um, we, I decided to include uh, those um, episodes because one, it forms some kind of backstory and it gives you some kind of context um, to this uh, protagonist and the way she has chosen to uh, encounter infertility. Um, and how it has come and how all these different experiences have had a bearing on, uh, you know, this whole uh, battle with uh, infertility. So that is one reason. And the second one was that I also wanted some kind of uh, relief for the reader from the bleakness of infertility treatment. Because if you look at the graph, if you lo look at the narrative arc, it just goes from, you know, failure to failure, from loss to loss, you know, until you hit upon you know, the final, you know, culminating uh, moment where I uh, give birth to my son, which is right at the very end. So I felt these episodes sort of give some kind of uh, breathing space for the reader to, you know, sort of take a moment's pause from the whole um, infertility journey, which can get very uh, overwhelming and to focus on other aspects uh, of my uh, life. Uh, about this particular chapter, I'm so glad you said you like it because it's one of my favorites too. And I haven't heard that from any uh, from too many other people. So I'm really glad that it uh, resonated with you. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, my uh, choice of career and, you know, sort of feeling that I really didn't belong anywhere. And I think that is um, a feeling not very unique. And I think a lot of us go through that in our uh, 20s, where we try out different career options, try out different jobs before we really hit upon something that we think is, you know, true to us. Um, so I, I wanted to capture that and there was, um, I, I had a great, uh, I had a great anecdote, um, which, which I don't want to reveal, um, you know, about involving the writers, Amitav Ghosh and Vikram Seth. So I thought that it would be a good opportunity to use <laughs> that as well. No, actually we were just going to ask you because, you know, not a lot of people talk about the goof ups that they experience in their, you know, career, but that is something you've, you've mentioned and it's one of the funniest moments in the book. And, you know, we all, I've had so many goof-ups, but I feel like we don't talk about them enough and you have. And so you spoke about a goof-up that you made during your reporting career that involved the writing god Amitav Ghosh. So would you care to share that with our listeners? I think we'll give everyone the courage to talk about their own goof-ups. Yeah, please do. <laughs> you know, Tara and Michelle, it's taken me, I think, 15 or 20 years to live down the embarrassment of that episode. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so basically I was a reporter working for a newspaper in Hyderabad and I was a newbie and I did not have any experience and I really did not have any training in journalism either. The only thing that I brought to the table was that I had some, I had a background in English literature. So uh, the writer Amitav Ghosh was in the city and he was promoting his novel, The Hungry Tide. And I was sent out to, uh, you know, to do an interview with him. So uh, I went out, I did the interview. Uh, it went really well. It was uh, very smooth. And uh, Amitav Ghosh himself appeared uh, to be quite happy with the way the uh, interview went. So he signed. He actually gave me a copy of his book with his inscription. So obviously, uh, you know, I was floating in in the stratosphere when that happened. And I was dreaming of all the writers that I was going to floor uh, in the future. And uh, Amitav Ghosh even remarked uh, to his agent. And then that comment got passed on to my editor, you know, that this girl, uh, you know, sort of stood out among all the other journalists who interviewed him uh, that day. So the next time there was a literary conference in uh, Hyderabad, I was, uh, you know, assigned to cover it because everybody felt, you know, that she had, you know, what it takes to interview all these uh, writers. So, um, and the first person and sort of the biggest lit name um, covering that, um, the biggest name uh, coming for that literary conference was Vikram Seth. So I'm a big fan of Vikram Seth. I love his poetry and uh, I was sort of assigned the task of getting an interview with the man. So I went along with members of the organizing uh, committee to the airport to receive him. And I was so anxious and so um, I felt that I had to be the first one to get this interview. So as soon as he sort of picked up his bags and stepped out and started walking towards the exit, I accosted him and I said, please, uh, I represent this particular newspaper. Please, can I have an interview with you? I don't know if it was the sense of urgency that I communicated, but he said, OK, fine, we can do it uh, right away. The thing was, I was totally unprepared for it. I only wanted, uh, you know, some uh, time with him at a later point, but he agreed to the interview immediately. So I rushed to the hotel 
and uh, you know and whatever the few questions that i had uh, thought up on the way uh, to the hotel i uh, managed to ask them it was done you know um, very very poorly and i feel quite embarrassed about uh, that particular interview but at some point in the conversation vikram said sort of mentioned that uh, you know he was um, he was not uh, he was feeling quite um, upset because his uh, mama had passed away and i thought oh my god his mother has passed away what is he doing here now how do i deal with this so i said oh my god i'm so sorry and i <laughs> and i expressed my condolences and i just wound up the interview because i felt so guilty about taking up his time you know uh, at a, at a moment like this in his life uh so i went back to the um, i went back to my uh, team and i told everybody <laughs> in the newsroom that vikram said's mother has passed away and you know the news team was equally uh, you know uh, surprised to hear that and they started checking their sources but they couldn't find any information and leela seth is herself a very big uh, you know figure she's retired as the chief justice of uh, of a high court so she's a very big name in her own uh, right so i told everybody oh don't worry about it i heard it from the horse's mouth you know i have this information i thought i was bringing a scoop to the table uh, but you know they obviously fortunately they didn't take my word and they didn't carry that story i went home and i was sitting in my hostel and i was having dinner and i was just replaying the events of the day and i thought it is so odd it does sound very strange that vikram seth would not would be here attending a literary conference in hyderabad if his mother has uh, passed away and then i realized oh my god he meant mama not mama <laughs> he was referring to his uncle perhaps his maternal uncle i just wanted the earth to open up that very moment and swallow me it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life and i didn't oh know God. how i could go back to the newsroom and clarify this that it was not mama it was mama <laughs> oh god that reminds me of my own gofa prohini um it's very embarrassing um so uh, i was at the bangalore literature festival uh, when i was in bangalore uh, you know um, a few years back and uh, shobha day uh was there and i was so eager to get her autograph that i kept nudging her from behind i mean oh my god it was it was really embarrassing because i was totally invisible i just kept nudging her and finally her bodyguard said excuse me please don't do that <laughs> oh my god yeah it wasn't even that long ago that like i also did something like little embarrassing basically i went to this uh crosswords next to my house um because i wanted i wanted twinkle khanna to come on this podcast twinkle khanna if you're listening <laughs> the offer is still open so this is like around a year ago before covid so i wanted twinkle khanna to come to the podcast <laughs> i snuck into crosswords because there was some author ceremony going on so i said that you know i'll just go for 5 minutes i went there and i was you know going to go up to her and everything and then just too many people were milling around her and everything so i couldn't i couldn't access her but it was just so funny because i'm like so out of place in this whole ceremony uninvited guest you know stalking twinkle khanna <laughs> <laughs> okay um so talking about your book um rohini you know while you have covered uh, the aspects of science and logic that is involved with the whole infertility treatment you've also addressed uh, you know faith and superstitions which are uh, you know which tagged along um in your journey and one of them you know has stayed with me that is if you see a kite in the sky it means someone is pregnant i have never heard of that before and uh, you know so the mention of faith reminded me of one part woman by perumal murugan mm-hmm. and the way he has addressed infertility in fiction so um, i wanted to know what are your thoughts about you know addressing infertility in fiction and do you consider writing fiction anytime um i love perumal murugan's uh, one part woman and i think he did such a fantastic job of uh, communicating the emotions that a woman goes through especially this month on month waiting thinking that you're pregnant hoping that you're pregnant and then when your period comes you know all hopes are uh, dashed um i it is one of my uh, favorite books but i haven't seen a lot of it in uh, fiction i don't know if it is what i have read but i haven't seen this uh, topic being broached about um, a great deal um as far as me uh, writing fiction um, i'm just coming to terms with the idea that i have written a book and that it is out there 
for uh, people to read so i think um, that itself required a great uh, leap of faith are you writing any i do have you know a project that you really really want to do or you know anything that you're working on next um i want to keep writing because um i feel that i spent uh, two almost three years uh, on this project and i spent a lot of time trying to learn how to write and you know honing uh, my skills trying to read uh, getting feedback from uh, different people so there is some um, i would say there is some small repository of uh, let's say um, knowledge that i have gathered on this particular uh, subject and there is a little bit of skill building that has happened so i would really want to take this forward and build on this uh, further and the other thing is that uh, writing is something that i really uh, enjoy doing but i really feel that i have found uh, my calling in some ways uh, through writing because i feel my most authentic self uh, when i'm writing i'm my most uh, you know unselfconscious uninhibited self uh, when i'm writing so i really want to extend that experience and you know go back to that again and again so that i can experience being in that uh, space uh, at this point i'm very um, fascinated by uh, the idea of writing personal essays and i have some um, i have some ideas and there are there is some stuff that i've uh, started writing but it's it's a long uh, there's there's a long way to go that's wonderful i mean it's just so great to be able to express yourself and uh, feel confident enough to do that and have the words to do that not many uh, people out there have that talent and gift so that's really really great so you know coming to books because this is books and beyond <laughs> and so you know we always want to ask our authors what are the books that you read who are the authors that you admire um you know who do you take inspiration from right um so what has happened is in the last 3 uh, 4 years i mean just before i started writing the book and also during the writing i've been reading a lot of memoirs which has been a kind of research uh, you know for my own uh, project so i love uh, atul gawan's uh, work i loved uh, sonali uh, deraniagla's uh, wave i don't know if you have uh, read it which is about uh, you know she lost her whole family to the tsunami and she's produced this absolute gem of a book called uh, the wave that is one no, of no. oh you I must you must it's one of my uh, absolute personal favorites then um, you know tara westover's educated i love trevor noah's uh, born a crime so i've been reading a lot of uh, memoirs and i'm also um, sort of interested in the non fiction space um for instance um, there are two books that i happen to read during the course of the writing which have really um, from which i have taken away a great deal one is uh, bad blood and uh, the other one is bottle of lies a bottle of lies is by katherine aban and it uh, talks about ranbaxy and pharma companies and how it went bust and bad blood is about this uh, silicon valley startup called teranos and you know you might if you hear the subjects you might think that you know it will appeal to a niche audience and you know only somebody who's working in that space and who might be interested in in this detail in these details but um, these books really tell their story in such a gripping uh, manner and they really keep you hooked from chapter to chapter and they really have the quality of a good uh, thriller so i sort of felt very inspired by that kind of writing i do read a lot of uh, fiction i'm very fond of uh, you know uh, a lot of indian writers in english um, one of my current favorites is anis salim and uh, the small town sea when i read that book i got on facebook and i dm'd him because <laughs> i felt like uh, i felt i had to connect with the writer immediately and he was so sweet and so <laughs> kind yes. that he actually responded i see a lot of parallels between uh, rohini you and michelle because michelle also uh, has a knack for just reach i love this about you. i love this about you michelle that you just read a book and you yes. reach out to the author as if they are best friend and like, how does she do it and then before you know it before you know it they're having a conversation they're sharing work i mean Yeah, yeah, no, no. That, yeah, yeah, Dara is right. Actually, Rohan, that's something I would do. So, so yeah, I mean, and I love, um, you know, Anis Salim's posts. I mean, they are hilarious. So, yeah, I mean, and I'm, I've been meaning to um, read his work as well. So, I, I was yeah, obsessed yeah, I... with uh, Bad Blood. You know, the the book about the Therano startup, and so it's basically about this billion billion dollar company. that try to revolutionize blood tests so instead of you know injecting a needle they said that we'll just do it as a pin prick and it was 
absolutely feco there was no such technology this woman built a billion What? dollar company out of it she was on the cover of every magazine and this guy who's written this book completely just exposed it all it is it was so i want to read that right now like like i mean i love medical thrillers and i I've, i've said this on on our previous episodes but i mean i think this book like you know ex- exposing someone like like a medical trial my god it's so interesting <laughs> yeah nice nice recommendations rohini <laughs> <laughs> thank you but coming back yes. to your book you know uh your son you mentioned him a couple of times um you know so do you imagine your son reading this book when he grows up what what do you expect his reaction is going to be what are your thoughts about it yeah he thinks i've written a book on lemons in virginia because he's obsessed with the <laughs> <laughs> because he's obsessed with the states of the united states of america so he's interpreted vagina as virginia and he thinks this is a book on lemons but uh, i sort of had to have a conversation with him explaining that it is not uh, virginia and um, and that conversation happened a lot sooner than i wanted it to be explaining what a vagina is um he knows that this book is about how i came to him and um, he in fact asked me to show his name in the book so that i could prove it to him that it was really about him um but yeah i do imagine that he will read it at uh, some point in time and hopefully he will understand that what both ranjit and i um experienced um in our journey to experience in our journey towards uh, parenthood i have no idea what he is going to take away from it what his reaction is going to be uh you know how he will uh, what he will think about um, having a reading about his mother's vagina i have no idea whether he will not want to have anything to do with this book <laughs> i i really don't know <laughs> but you know in many ways um, michelle and tara this book is a love letter uh, to my son and uh, you know i i do see it as that so rohini you've mentioned that you know you want to explore personal essays and that is something that you know tara and i have been um exploring for quite some time so we wanted to know what is your advice for uh, writers who want to write memoirs who want to write personal essays i feel very unqualified to give uh, advice because um i don't know if i know enough to be able to tell anybody um what how to go about it or you know what to do but i would think that you know first and foremost you must have this uh, urge you must have this desire to tell this particular story whether that is through the format of a personal essay or a memoir or even uh, fiction for that matter it must be an unputdownable urge you know you you must feel that i cannot uh, i must must tell the story and i think when you start from that premise from a very strong and from a very compelling um, moment i think that sort of helps you you know take the narrative forward and that really comes through in your uh, you know writing as well uh, apart from having the strong desire to communicate i think um, honesty um, is an absolute um, i think it is it is a prerequisite as far as a personal essay or a memoir is concerned because if you are not able to uh, talk about you, what has happened to you uh, with a certain level of candor and with a certain level of honesty i think um, your reader will see through that and may not be able to connect with uh, what you are saying so i think uh, that is also very uh, important and third i think it applies to all kinds of writing not just memoirs or essays but really having the discipline and having the stamina to uh, go back and write and rewrite and edit and you know keep on refining your uh, manuscript and uh, i think that and taking the time and having the discipline and having the patience to be able to do that i think that's a very uh, critical quality for uh, a writer for a writer of any um, any genre Bec- and also having um, the support system having the beta readers who are able to look at your work and give you uh, the kind of uh, feedback that you really need and being open uh, to feedback being receptive uh, to feedback i would think that you know these are sort of the uh, the basics in terms of skill in terms of talent i think a lot of that depends upon your education your exposure how about your own reading your personal taste all of that you can build and you can acquire over a, a period of a time and you must invest uh, your energies uh, you know towards uh, that but i i think these are the three yeah, uh, I mean, basics yeah yes i mean there are ingredients for uh, you know any good writing doesn't matter you know which genre which form it is uh, but i would like to recommend um, a newsletter to our listeners and to you rohini because you're you know looking to explore more personal essays it is called memoir monday have you heard of it uh, no i haven't 
So what this newsletter does is it gets the best personal essays from, you know, the top publications like Guernica, Granta, and, you know, the all of these uh, famous publications. And what it does is it sends an email to your inbox if you subscribe for it. I think I have read some of the best personal essays in it. So, yeah, Rohini, um, you know, this is this is really, really fascinating. And I think now it's time to move on to one of my favorite sections, the rapid fire round. <laughs> So, basically, we will ask you questions and you must reply very rapidly. Bangalore or Kerala? <laughs> uh, actually, my heart is in Kerala. <laughs> reading or writing? Mm, reading. Three books that have defined you? Mm, I would say Arundhati Roy's uh, The God of Small Things. Um, that's an all-time uh, favorite. Mm, I think Atul Gawan's uh, books, all of them. I'm not able to pick a favorite, but uh, all of them. And all the poetry that I've been reading uh, since I was a teenager. I'm a big fan of poetry and I sort of uh, started re- reading all the Latin American poets and I try to stay clued in uh, to all the, uh, you know, poetry that is out there. Okay, I was just going to ask you one poet that you would recommend. Maybe Tishani Doshi, I think uh, recently I've read quite a bit of her work. Thank you so much for sharing all of these insights and talking about, you know, IVF in such an open way, taking us inside your life. Uh, and your writing process. It was really amazing. Thank, Thank you. you so yes. much for having me. Thank you so much. It was such a joy and privilege to be in conversation with you. Our pleasure. I am so glad that we found out how she wrote this memoir. It's so interesting that she said that she has 30 minutes to herself to write without distraction, just 30 minutes. And even carving out a small area of time for yourself is so important. And that's what we help writers do, you know, because Bound is a story company. Um, and we help writers tell stories. We help people tell their stories. So like mentioned earlier, if you want to create your own podcast, please reach out to us at connect at boundindia.com or DM us at Bound India. Our next episode is going to be amazing because we will be talking to Sabah Karim Khan. She is a debut author of this fantastic book called Skyfall. Uh, She's a Pakistani author. The book is set in Lahore. It's set in the red light district called Hira Mandi. Um, And it's this one-of-a-kind love story between an Indian filmmaker and a Pakistani tour guide. Fun fact, I actually edited this book and I thought it was, you know, fantastic. I absolutely fell in love with the writing, the atmosphere. And as you guys know, I've already mentioned, I'm very much interested in Pakistani literature. So very, very happy to be interviewing, you know, people from the subcontinent on this season. I hope that uh, you guys enjoy the episode. If you haven't picked up her book, I strongly recommend you do. It'll just engross you. It's a fast read. And if you want to know more about all of these themes that that Sabah talks about, tune in next Wednesday. Until next time, Tara.